2: Welcome to another Mother Runner podcast. This is your host, Sarah Bowen Shea in Portland, and I'm joined today by Adrian Martini.
1: In lovely Oneonta, where it's 16 degrees,
2: even as we speak.
1: Oh my goodness, uh, in the
2: middle of the... It, well, it's it, it's even like the hottest, quote-unquote, hottest part oh, yes. of your day.
1: Yes, <laughs> we're having a heat wave. I'm going to go out in my suit here in a minute
2: and with the sunshine. I love that you also just say Oneonta as if it's like standalone, like <laughs> like Los Angeles, Chicago, Oneonta. I mean, it's
1: not. Uh, it's going on to New York, which is kind of, uh, we're technically in the southern tier.
2: Oh, mm-hmm. so, so there you go. Southern tier Middle of the state or southern tier, not of that, Arundex now?
1: No, no uh, southern tier of the state. Mm, okay. We're near the Catskills. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, I think yep. you might be a
2: little more southern than I give you credit for, Adrian.
1: I know. Oh. Well, you know, we do have grits, so... Uh, <laughs>
2: So, Adrian, you are one of the four new co-hosts joining the show on a rotating basis. And as I explained on last week's show, Dimity will now be co-hosting the podcast every fourth or fifth week as she's now running our new Train Like a Mother Club that I talk a little bit more about at the end of the show. And uh, many of you know Adrian from her witty, honest blog post on our website, anothermotherrunner.com. And Adrian's column used to be called Martini Friday because you gotta love her last name. <laughs> uh, and now that we post our podcast on the site every Friday, though, we drink up her column. Knock, knock, knock. Um, and it's uh, renamed Dry Martini every other Thursday. Usually, unfortunately, Adrian' um, <laughs> <laughs> we've been, situation has been thing. You know, forces have been working against it, and it's like, oh, we need to get Adrian on there. So uh, you're going to be on next Tuesday. Tuesday tuesday yes it begins with a t it's kind of like yes. thursday yeah
1: so everybody should mark their calendars and block <laughs> off the time to uh...
2: <laughs> to read that most definitely yeah yeah and so you have been on the podcast a few times before so um you know your voice and your laugh uh should be familiar so um i'll just keep talking um so adrian uh, please refresh and remind people about some details in your life like how many kids you have and especially your running background please
1: so I have two kids. Uh, my daughter is 13, which, you know, we're weathering 13. It'll it it'll be okay. Um, and my son is 10. Um, my running background, I started running um, right around the time I turned 40. So that would have been four and some years ago. Uh, because I finally realized that the baby weight that I'd put on with my son was pretty much mine at that point. (laughs) I couldn't really chalk it up to baby weight because he was, I think, seven. So uh, he was six. So I decided I needed to do something and then suddenly fell in love with running, which would have been the last thing I ever expected would happen
2: um and we, then you're not an athlete in high school oh, no. or college or anything like that
1: yeah no 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 i know
2: <laughs> you silly woman no
1: <laughs> no not even a little uh like my big activity on a weekend would be reading for eight or nine hours straight you know it takes a lot of training it takes a lot of training to sit on your tush for that long but you know i felt up for it um <laughs> So I uh, started running and just really started to fall in love with it. Once I got past that first, you know, three, four months where it's not as much fun uh-huh. as you might hope. Uh-huh. Um, and then trained for the Pittsburgh Half Marathon, which was kind of where my relationship with another mother runner started.
2: Uh-huh, uh-huh. So tell us why you love running. I, 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 I'll start. I start. I love running because I love to be outside, And I like proving that I'm not, I also was a huge, huge reader as a young person and, um, to prove to myself that I'm not that person anymore. That's one of the Mm. reasons why I love running. Um, nothing wrong with that person, but just, um, I oftentimes feel like an imposter in the athletic world. And so my daily run reaffirms that no, 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 (laughs) I'm card carrying. I'm legit. Um, and also I have, um, definitely made recently that the reason I like running is because it's a um, uh, excuse to leave the house, particularly on right. weekends. <laughs> so, right. so how about you? Why? Why do you uh, love I totally,
1: running? I understand all of those. Um, I will always feel like an imposter at running because any time that I start to feel a little cocky, uh, it takes me down a peg. Mm. Um, I love running because
2: <laughs> you I sound feel- like you're in class. I love running because
1: <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'm trying to kind of formulate all of the thought um, in, in a way that doesn't make me sound like I really don't like people at all. Um, I like the. I do like getting away on the weekends. Um, I have a 15 mile run coming up on Sunday because Coach Christine is trying to kill me very slowly. Um, so I'm not. You know, I'm looking forward to that in a sense. But I like the fact that it's usually time where I don't have to be responsible for anything other than getting from this point to that point mm-hmm. um and i don't and here's where i start sounding like a person who doesn't like people but i don't have to actually talk to anyone
2: um it's kind of like a reverse barbara Streisand song <laughs> people people who don't like people
1: <laughs> no i see i really i i deep deep down i'm an introvert um you can fake being an extrovert for a surprising amount of time, but then need those moments to really just kind of regroup. And running gives that to me.
2: Nice. Nice. Well, um, and, and you are training for Austin Half Marathon, right? Uh, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And Austin, it's sneaking up faster than I thought, which is why I have this enormously
2: long run. <laughs> right. this, uh, this, hey, weekend. wait a minute, longer than the race distance run. I,
1: well, you know, uh, this is now my fifth half marathon, maybe fifth or fourth. I don't know.
2: Um, <laughs> one of those numbers.
1: One of those numbers. Pick the number you like. <laughs> uh, so I know I can do the 13 miles. Now it's, I'd like to do them just the teeniest bit faster mm-hmm. than I've done them in the past.
2: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Okay. And I hear that. So we're talking Austin, Texas, which is yeah. in the um, right adjacent to the hill country of, yes. of Texas. So I hear from Dimity that it's a hilly half marathon because she's done it too.
1: I know. See, here's the thing. I live in hills, so I'm kind of used to running hills anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and looking at the course profile, you know, I can kind of shrug it off because the, I mean, they're still hills and they're still hard, but it's not. I, it's not like running up Pikes Peak. I mean, they're they're rolly hills. They're not uh, ninety degree hills. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, and that's my daily run anyway. So I don't really. Oh, look at you. I don't have to think about it too much. Well, that's
2: a good attitude to have. Yeah. yeah. So okay, so Adrian, I, I um dreamed up schemed up this thing that to help listeners remember who's who among the co hosts, that I'm thinking that every time, you know, a co host joins the show that we'll have each of you all give an update on the same subject. So for instance, Coach Christine, who coached last week, she shared a few anecdotes about the gal she's coaching or like when my best running friend, Molly, is going to host, she will reveal how much change she's found while running, you know, change as in dimes, quarters, pennies, right. that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> to
1: just something very important to tell all right, of them. exactly. I'm a man stuck in a woman's
2: body. Um <laughs> And, um, uh, she's, you know, so she'll, you know, tell us, you know, oh, I found 17 cents or whatever. She found 11 cents over the weekend. And um, it's not like when she will be competitive about that at all. Oh no, not at all. Not at all. I'm still stinging from her finding that dime on Sunday's <laughs> run, but <laughs> <laughs> it's Thursday. I'm almost over it. we <laughs> it. we past it. Um, so, and then, but here's the thing, Adrian, like, what do you think? You know, like, are you going to tell us what you've been drinking lately? Or, you know, oh, is that beating the martini horse into the, ground? Or, you know, uh, should you tell us what you've been knitting since one of your memoirs is entitled Sweater Quest, My Year of Knitting Dangerously? Like, what do you you think? I
1: don't think the martini thing will work because I'll let you in on a little secret, um, which is that I don't actually drink. Um, I thought, I
2: almost texted you yesterday. I was like, you're a teetotaler, aren't you? And I thought, oh, we'll just just find that out on the podcast.
1: Yes, I'm sanctimonious about it. No, I'm really not. Um, (laughs) I... I don't even really like soda. Oh,
2: uh-huh.
1: Um, so, yeah, I'm good with water mm-hmm. and just remarkable amounts of coffee. So that doesn't really... Uh, uh,
2: Make for interesting conversation. For
1: interesting conversation at all. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm going to talk about knitting. Okay. And I want to tell... The thing that leapt to mind is I just ordered a kit for what are called knitted knockers. <laughs>
2: Um, first I think boobs then I think front door
1: (laughs) yeah no you should think boobs so they're um, breast prosthetics that are knitted out of this really super soft wonderful yarn um, that women who've had mastectomies can use um, as prosthetics so it's a kit and you kind of knit them and send them back to uh i can't remember the name of the organization but they then fill them and distribute them oh that's so awesome yeah yeah i saw it somebody sent me the link and i was like oh i have to do this so i'm going to knit some knockers once i get my yarn so
2: oh my gosh so but the so i'm curious do you know why it is that that they use um knitted is it because it's like soft against skin you know against I, a scar that sort of thing I,
1: I think mostly it's because it's soft against the skin, and it's kind of one of those, um, they're relatively inexpensive. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, unlike, I suspect, you know, surgical, official prosthetics, mm-hmm. I imagine that would get pretty pricey.
2: And I, of um, course, just while you're talking, I felt my own breasts to see if they felt like, a bu- you know, just some knitted yarn <laughs> all together. No, they're a little bit firmer than that, but... Uh. Uh, yeah.
1: Yes, but you can stuff them with whatever you want. I mean, oh, I see.
2: They go around. It's not just that that you knit um, this dense thing that then you put. Oh, it's the cover of the
1: cover, and then you can put whatever you want inside. Mm. So you know, you could fill it with. Actually, this is going to be really off tangent. Um, Mm -hmm. but when Dustin Hoffman was in Tootsie, Mm -hmm. again, bear with me. (laughs) They filled his prosthetic breasts with birdseed because they found that that gave them kind of the best um, weight and appearance mm. and huh. movement
3: um, and, and you now, know this
1: how uh, some who knows some random piece of trivia that wandered through um, my brain I since I worked in the theater which is another long story uh, I learned a lot about costuming mm-hmm. and I suspect it came through that way or not mm. um, so and then he talked about being attacked by birds. Because
2: That's of- so funny that yeah. I was like, okay, was he, like, beset by this, Yes, know, he was, apparently. bird of like crows.
1: Yeah. And also, because New York pigeons can be pretty aggressive. So. <laughs> right, right. Um, so they fill them, you could fill them with, you know, lentils or bird seed or just plain old polyfill stuffing, depending on what kind of look you're going for, I guess. Oh, so-
2: or maybe lavender, you know, or so lavender, it smell good. Uh-huh. That'd
1: yeah. be nice.
2: It would be nice. Why? <laughs>
1: <laughs> i something down in there anyway, you know?
2: It also now it sounds like we're talking about those sensory tables. Did your preschool have a sensory I table?
1: Did they
2: did with the beans and the water and Uh oh oh I could play in a sensory table like all day long like the teacher at our preschool would change it up the first of every month and I would just rush down the stairs it was was in this basement of our house a finished basement and I'd be like what's it gonna be this time oh my gosh it's lentils I love the feeling of all those lentils (laughs) it's
1: amazing what excites you when you have small children
2: (laughs) I think it still would I sometimes like daydream about going back to Hartwood and just like oh and they had a light table table with doing little things that you put to geometric things you put together and they're made of plastic so you see through them so anyway um well I will stop rambling on and making you talk about lentils and lavender seeds and, but but that is but that's wonderful that you're doing those knitted knockers so knitted knockers. yeah so good okay so well then you will update us on your knitting projects that is um although I will say that Ellison who's another one of the co-hosts she works in a knitting store, so. Um. Keep it straight, people. Adrian's the one who's knitting knockers. I think. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> when you think of me, I want you to think of boobs.
2: That's, <laughs> right. go. good. Good. All right. Well, as you know, Adrian, today you and I are going to be joined by Kristen Porter of Iowa Girl Eats, a really fantastic blog, and she is also the author of an ebook called Gluten Free for Beginners. And Kristen's going to talk about treadmill workouts, eating gluten-free, and getting back into running after her diagnosis of celiac disease. But before we are joined by Kristen, let's take a break for messages from two sponsors. First up is Audible.com, and then we'll hear from Lisa, a mom of two school-aged daughters in Michigan, who will tell us how Highland's leg cramps helped her get through her final month of training for her debut marathon last year. Okay, Adrian, enough about us. Let's start gabbing with Kristen Porter, the mother runner behind the website Iowa Girl Eats. Welcome, Kristen.
3: Thank you so much. So nice
1: to have you aboard, Kristen. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, including your running background?
3: You bet. So, I am a mom uh, living in Iowa, in Des Moines, Iowa. And the blog, Iowa Girl Eats, I've been writing since 2009. And I started it after uh, my husband and I got married and he was working nights. And I was alone at home without a hobby. And so I um, kind of poured my energy and time into this blog. And it's just, it's grown from there. And I've been writing it full time for about three or four years now. And then uh, we had our son who's now two and a half in uh, August 2013. And, And uh, a little bit about my running background. Uh, When I started the blog, you know, I had all that time on my hands. um, And so I started uh, running. And we at the time where we lived, we had all these great trails by us. And um I just decided one day, you know what? I'm not, I, I need a, I need something to do with my time besides this vlog. So I started running, and then about six months later, I signed up for a half marathon. And the moment I signed up for it, I immediately regretted it. <laughs> what have I done? What am I doing? And um, it ended up being fantastic. And it was. It was. Um. It was a half marathon in Chicago. And the day of was the rainiest day in Chicago's history. No way. Oh yes. Gosh. I mean, like the stars were totally misaligned that day, but it actually really helped me. I thought, um, just take my take my mind off the pain and, and what the heck I was doing. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. And I, I still can't believe I did it, but it was great to kind of check off um, that half marathon on my bucket list. And I guess I, I you know, kept running from there and and built my mileage. And yeah, it's been great.
2: Nice, nice. So well, uh, there's several reasons why we wanted to have you as a guest on the podcast. I've been reading your blog for quite a long time. I'm like, oh, I want to get her on the show. So um, so the one of the first reasons is um, because you have an amazing collection of treadmill workouts on your site that range everything from 25 minutes up to 55 minutes long. And and by my count, you have 64 treadmill workouts on there. That's- yeah, I know. So that's that's more that's more than enough to do a different workout every day for more than two months. So, what got you started sharing your treadmill workouts with your readers?
3: Well, you know, I live in Iowa, so we have the four seasons, and I'd say a good two and a half of those seasons are um, not really conducive for the for the average runner to be running outside. And you know, I, I see people running out on the ice and the snow, and I wish I could do that, but the the truth is that I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. All. I'll slip on the ice. Um, so, you know, a lot of us are, are confined to the gym for those months. And, you know, let's be honest, they call it the dreadmill for a reason. It can be so boring. Um, and so I just started thinking of ways I could spice up my time on the treadmill. And so I started adding, um, uh, you know, inclines and then uh, intervals. And it just made the time fly. And so I just had a lot of fun creating new routines and, you um, you know, kind of seeing how fast I could rack up mileage in the shortest amount of time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's kind of how it started.
2: Nice. Nice. So, so, and then, so you say two and a half seasons. So winter you're saying is indoors then is summer because it's too hot.
3: Well, summer, I actually, I'm like one of those weird people that love, (laughs) love running in the humidity and just like sweating my life away. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know it's very strange, but, um, you know, spring, the, the snow can, I got married in April, and it's April 5th, and on April 3rd, we had a, um, the year I got married, we had a snowstorm. So, <laughs> the spring, yeah, and luckily, it melted the next day on the 4th, so the 5th, we had a gorgeous day, but um, the point is, is that the spring is very, very um, unpredictable in the Midwest, so I count the spring as kind of iffy here. Mm.
1: I. I understand you completely. I our spring maybe shows up in May, so yeah,
3: you I just understand. never know.
1: You don't know.
2: Yeah, I went to school um, not too too far from where Adrian lives in Central New York, and uh, it definitely you know and school would let out in mid May, and there were definitely times that we got snow even in May. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's weirdo. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, and when you say trails, um, I, I don't mean to be rude, but I don't think of Iowa as a trail running state. You know, it's not like Colorado that's famed for its trails or something. So, are we talking paved trail? we talking dirt trails?
3: Yeah, we're talking paved trails. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like you said, w- w- this isn't any off-roading trails, but we've got gorgeous, gorgeous trails miles and miles of them uh here in central iowa Mm. the biking community is huge Uh, you know we have rag in iowa Mm. so this is a really big hot spot for bike trails and then obviously that's conducive to running as well
2: oh nice nice and do you ever ever see inline skaters out there the throwbacks
3: (laughs) you know what we i haven't seen any for a while and i got i moved to minneapolis after college and um the inline skating was huge there, and it always made me giggle. But <laughs> they looked like they were having the best time; way more fun than I was chugging along, running around the lakes there. But um, no, you know I haven't seen it in a while. We, we, um,
2: so well, first of all, that rollerblade, the you know the the ubiquitous company that that created inline skating or that popularized it, I think was based in um, the Twin Cities, so that might have been why mm-hmm. it was such a hotbed. But also um, here in Portland, there's a trail a paved, very flat trail that kind of parallels the runways of Portland Airport. It's between the Portland Airport and the river. There's not much real estate in there. But so um, occasionally I'll run out there or go biking out there. And I almost always see like two or three inline skaters. And I'm just like, Wayne, what is this like back to the future? Like what's going on here?
3: I know, but they always look like they're having the best time, don't they?
2: Oh, and they also have this kind of like, I don't care that I'm doing something that's totally <laughs> not hip anymore. And like, you know, if if my skate broke, I would not be able to get parts for it. Or I'd maybe have to put skateboard <laughs> wheels on it. I don't know. No, so
1: I, I'm actually surprised Portland doesn't have those quad old school skiers out there
2: yeah oh i bet oh i bet i would see those but um but these are like you know it's definitely this strip of trail is definitely for people who are kind of intent on just really working out and not doing like moves or you know getting out the boom box and and, (laughs) fancy (laughs) yeah right the fanny pack (laughs) that would totally complete the look exactly
1: Um So another really big reason that we wanted to talk to you is because a few years ago you mentioned on your blog, which I've been reading as well, that you were diagnosed with celiac disease. Um, And just to share a little bit, my daughter was diagnosed with celiac when she was four. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have some experience with kind of figuring out the gluten-free lifestyle Um, my daughter's 13 now, and really we decided that if you have to have an autoimmune disorder that, you know, celiac is really the one you want. Um, not that you want any of them, Mm -hmm. um, because it can be so easily controlled through diet. Mm -hmm. Um, I say it's easy, like, oh yeah, it's easy to cut out all the gluten from your diet. Um, knowing full well that that is not the truth, Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what that was like for you and what that transition
3: was like for you? Yeah, for sure. And I just, right off the bat, I a hundred percent agree with you. And, you know, obviously nobody wants an autoimmune disorder or disease, but who, who with a disease can say they can stay out of the hospital or manage their disease through food? Right. You know, hardly any. Um, so in that respect, yes, I feel very lucky that there's no, um, there's no prescriptions. There's no therapies. There's no hospital stays. It's 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 on my shoulders to control and um, adapt to. So that that feels very good. But um, yeah, so after I had my son in 2013 for about six months, I just felt horrible. Um, I had horrible fatigue and really bad GI issues and um i just kind of chalked it all up to being a new mom you know right <clears throat> i wasn't sleeping and da, da da you know it's hard having a, having a newborn um but when when my son started sleeping through the night and these um these these items continued i knew something was wrong and so i went to my doctor and talked to him about what was going on and he um he thought it was depression
0: mm-hmm. and
3: And I knew it wasn't depression. You know, obviously being a new mom for the first time is very, very hard. So there's, you know, hormones are up and down and da-da-da. So, you know, that could have been it, but I knew in my heart it wasn't it. Um, And so I I pressed him to continue to get tested and just, you know, figure this out. And so luckily I have a DO. My doctor's a DO. And so he's really open to kind of exploring many different avenues. What is a
2: DO, if I can ask?
3: Um, versus an MD, they're just kind of more open to. They're not a doctor of functional medicine who want to uh, look into the the reasons why something is happening versus slapping a prescription on it. So they're kind of in the middle of an MD and in a in a, a doctor of functional medicine, a DO is. Um, so he he versus like oh, you have gastrointestinal issues, I'm going to write you a prescription for da-da-da. He's like, mm-hmm. let's look into this. Let's have some blood tests done. And so that's what we did. Um, the test for, for celiac disease is a simple blood test. It starts with a simple blood test. And that's called a TTG test. And the, that, t- that tests gluten antibodies in the blood. So if, if your body is reacting to gluten, this test will show that. And so my levels were way off the charts. Um, I had a few procedures done after that to confirm the diagnosis. And so that was all about six months after my son was born. And, yeah, and, you know, it felt great to figure out why I'd been feeling so terrible and just, like, I was dying, basically. Mm -hmm. But um, it was, you know, like I said earlier, who the heck wants an autoimmune disease? And especially one where um, you're cutting out so much, so many foods that you love and, um, eat every day. And especially for me, for a food blogger, I was like, what does this mean for me? Like, do I have to quit? You know, like I, I was just so overwhelmed and, um, you know, I started doing my research and realizing that gluten is in a ton of food. I mean, it, if you look on the packages in your pantry, I bet 90% of the, of the cans or boxes or whatnot have gluten in them. But, um, you know, you can, you can cook very easily at home gluten-free. And it wasn't, once I finally got my mind wrapped around that, I was like, okay, this is totally doable. Um, I switched the focus of my blog and that was very stressful, but my readers have been amazing. And um, we've been doing that for about two years now.
1: Wow. One of the biggest problems that we had is for the first six months, kind of this feeling of, I, I'm just interested if you went through this too, of just continual kind of panic and bewilderment where you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out what exactly you can eat,
3: um, safely
1: where you don't have those symptoms coming back.
3: Totally. And I, I, I got gluten all the time. I don't know about your daughter and I can't even imagine, like, I can't even imagine cooking something for your daughter or choosing something for your, your children and having them get sick and seeing that and just like, right. the stress that would put on you. I can't, I can't even imagine what you were going through, um, but you know it's super, super hard. And um, about a year and a half after my diagnosis, I wrote an ebook um, called Gluten Free for Beginners, and it was everything that I wished I had had from day one. Um, all the knowledge that I'd wish I'd had from day one, because it is the learning curve is just so steep,
0: mm-hmm. and I
3: feel like I had no resources um, when I had to go gluten free. So, so that's why I wrote the ebook is to help. If you got diagnosed with celiac d- disease today, here's what you need to do now.
1: Right. Yeah. I think the first step should probably be, you know, don't panic. Yes. You can still have chocolate. <laughs> you can still and have... wine. More and more wine. Oh, not when you're four, but yes. <laughs> oh, no. Although it would make the day go faster, I guess. Uh, 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 you know, you can still have cheese if there's not something else, you know, if you don't have a problem with the... Uh, lactose um -hmm. so you know there's a lot of stuff you can eat
3: Uh, yeah and I think people I think people still hear the word gluten-free and they freak out you know it's just there's tons of product gluten-free products out there but I think the explanation or common knowledge as to what gluten is is still very um it's just it's just not very well known yet my you know like even my dad still asked me like do potatoes have gluten in them right No, dad. (laughs) They don't. Um, But yeah, I think there's still a lot of um, knowledge that can be uh, or education that could be provided to the general public.
2: Yeah, because I'm I'm intrigued, Kristen, you use the verb "glutened," Mm -hmm. and I had never heard that as a verb before. So I get the sense that then that might come about from like one of those sneaky products on the pantry shelf that, that don't appear to have gluten in them, but that do.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Or, um, you know, eating out at restaurants is very, very difficult mm-hmm. when you're trying to eat gluten free because, you know, you don't see what's happening on the line. And, uh, you know, cross-contamination is a huge issue okay. in restaurants and in kitchens. And we, the, the moment when I started seeing a significant turnaround in my health was when we cut gluten out of our house completely because it was just too hard to give my two-year-old a bowl of Cheerios, and then, you know, he's got Cheerio dust on his fingers, he's touching everything, and and then, you know, the whole house is contaminated. So, so that's, we, we had to do that before I really started getting better. Right. So,
1: uh, and Cheerios are, oh, I'm sorry, Sarah. No, but, do you go ahead,
2: you talk about Cheerios, yeah. Uh,
1: Cheerios are now gluten-free, <laughs> so.
3: Uh, yes, they are, yeah.
2: Wow. Uh, just FYI. Oh, look at that! Yeah, I mean, yeah. so it sounds like other people were were getting glutened without knowing about it. So that was an interesting move. So, so Kristen, you told me via email that your running was greatly affected by celiac disease. Could you talk a little bit about that too, please?
3: Yeah. So, you know, I kind of this, and this might sound a little like self pity, but I kind of feel like my body after getting celiac disease has turned into like a bird's body. Like I just feel very fragile and, um, and things that didn't used to take a toll on me now do. Um, so I, I didn't work out for a really, really long time after getting celiac disease, um, because I just didn't have the energy. And a lot of that was because I, I didn't know how to be gluten-free yet. I was still learning. I was still climbing the steep learning curve. Um, And, you know, your, your energy is just white. Um, but after I got control of the the disease and my energy started returning and, um, and part of that was obviously cutting out gluten, but including, um, some foods that were fighting inflammation and just being smarter about my food choices, my energy has returned. And so I've gotten back into running, which is really exciting. And it's just so, it's just so good for your mind. Um, but that, that said, i have not I have not um returned to high intensity running. I don't feel like I'm ready yet,
2: so describe getting back into it with um, I mean, I think you alluded to run walking, and so mm-hmm. um, talk us through that,
3: yeah, a lot of walking my <laughs> log <laughs> <laughs> like walk, jogging. um, but yeah, and and it's really hard mentally to remember that, like, that high of running, of the, the high-intensity workouts and just how great that felt. And, but ha- but knowing what's best for me now is the low-intensity workouts, but, but understanding that anything is better than nothing. So I've been doing a lot of low-intensity jogging on the treadmill, and I'm super excited for this summer and the snow to thaw to get back out on the trails. Um, but, yeah, just, I mean, any... The, the signing up for the gym, actually doing that and putting on the clothes and getting on the treadmill is the first step. And then I think, as you all know, once you start doing it, it, it encourage you, encourages you to keep doing it. And the longer you're out of the game, the harder it is to get back into it. So, you know, you just got to make that step and um, it kind of snowballs from there. At least it has for me
2: so true yeah I feel that um, sort of lethargy begets lethargy and that totally that then you're like oh yeah I really like this sleeping in thing and gosh <laughs> there's a lot of books to read and <laughs> <You> know, <yeah. laughs> you know? yeah. and then is late, packed. yeah right yeah. right oh my gosh and that doesn't even include Netflix and Amazon Prime no. oh my gosh
1: <laughs> and then why am I so tired if I'm getting all this sleep <laughs> Right.
3: Yeah. Right. and that was a huge thing for me one of the biggest things that celiac affected for me was my energy levels um and I really felt those return when I started getting back into working out.
2: Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um speaking of uh being a mom and, and you know, all the, the things that moms need to do and have energy to do, one of them is always cooking and dinner time. Um, are there any dinner time entrees or dinner time go to's that you have?
3: Yes. So my son is obsessed with two foods and one is spaghetti, um, which I think a lot of kids are. And so I made this recipe called shortcut vegetable ragu. So basically you take a jar of tomato sauce and I like to look for really high quality tomato sauces without sugar. Um, Organic is great. And then I chop up a ton of vegetables in my food processor. So I'll chop up um, mushrooms, carrots, celery, basically zucchini, anything I have in the vegetable drawer, and then saute those up, add a pound of ground beef and saute that up with it, and then add the tomato sauce and a little bit of chicken or beef broth. And it makes the best-tasting tomato sauce, which is just, I mean, crazy healthy, and my son loves it. And we just serve it with um, gluten-free pasta, and he just gobbles that up. So I make that at least once a week, and then he also loves soup, <laughs> 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 which he calls bone sauce because I made I made, <laughs> I made bone broth in the crock pot a couple weeks, well, a couple months ago now, and he tried it and he went nuts for it. So now he calls any soup bone sauce. Okay, might might be something that's only funny to the mother. So sorry, for <laughs> <you>. <laughs> but. He, so he requests that um, a lot. So I'll make homemade chicken noodle soup, which the recipe is on my blog. And then he loves chicken and wild rice soup, so I make that a lot, too.
2: Oh, nice. nice.
1: And speaking... I speaking, you were coming over to dinner.
3: <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> speaking of wild rice, the recipe that caught my eye recently on your blog is the wild rice and kale bowl that you were inspired from um, – I guess you ate at Sweet Greens, is that right? Out in yeah, DC. Yeah. yeah, which I love um my best friend from high school lives right outside of DC and she always takes me there and it's just it's as delicious as you wrote about on your blog and and um so I definitely saved that recipe and I'm all all set to make it. I just adore wild rice. That's lately been I, I've always been a fan of it, but lately that's my like, Oh yeah, I love wild rice. I'm gonna cook more wild rice. Oh, it's the
3: best. I love it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah it's that whole nutty flavor to it
3: and yeah uh, and the texture I just love the texture mm-hmm, it's
2: exactly mm-hmm. exactly the only bummer is it does take an awful long time to cook
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I actually made chicken and wild rice soup two nights ago, and I started it at five, like, oh, this would be great, and da, da da and then, like, an hour and a half later, <laughs> <laughs> it was still cooking, and it's, like, bath time, and... Right. So. Exactly. Yeah. I heard like, that a little earlier. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what's been the biggest challenge food to cut out of, of, you know, of your diet? Like, what do you miss the most?
3: Pizza, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Pizza, sweet, sweet pizza. Um, I... Uh, You know, and I think I think the act of simply picking up the phone and calling Domino's Mm -hmm. is also one of, you know, so much of this of dealing with this disease is mental. And one of those things is just like convenience, you know, Mm -hmm. and having Friday night pizza nights with my husband and um, just picking up the phone and, and ordering pizza like you just don't think about how nice that is <laughs> until you can't do it um but yeah pizza so good I miss it I was in New York last year and um stump- like randomly stumbled upon this celiac friendly pizza shop and
1: um yeah I think I've it, actually been there no I took my daughter there
3: was it Paula pizza
1: no it was a different one so there are two
3: <gasps> I'll have to get the other one from you
1: <laughs> I can't remember the name of it but yeah I'll I have it written down so
3: Okay, perfect. Yeah, this one was Paula Pizza and they have a separate kitchen. So it's a pizza shop and they have regular pizza, but then they have a separate pizza kitchen with separate paddles and ingredients and everything. And I ate an entire pizza by myself, (laughs) like sitting by myself in the restaurant because I was there alone. And it was amazing. Um, and,
2: but, and I might add that in addition to sometimes feeling as fragile as a bird, I got to say from your pictures, you look like you're about as big as a bird. So that's quite an accomplishment <laughs> for you to eat a pizza by I, yourself.
3: Oh, gosh, it was so good. And, and the thing is, is like a lot of pizza shops around here at least claim to have, well, they do. They have gluten-free crust, but they're using using the same ingredients on both pizza crusts. So the cross-contamination is inevitable. So they'll use the same spoon for the pizza sauce that they spread on the gluten-free crust and then the regular crust and are going back and forth so yes you might have a gluten-free crust but the the ingredients are essentially contaminated and unfortunately i've learned that the hard way Mm -hmm. um so yeah but pizza love it miss it
1: i think the person who invents the perfect gluten-free pizza crust too is going to make a bazillion dollars
3: i totally agree I will be their number one customer. Yes. <laughs> so, will
2: you, you know, Kristen, I think you might be the person to do that. Do you do you develop your recipes yourself, or do you modify ones you see? Like, how do how do you cook up all your recipes?
3: Yeah, I, um, for the most part, develop all of my recipes, and um, I think that was one of the light bulb moments for me when I was freaking out about how the blog would continue, is that gluten free cooking at least is. N- I mean, it's not different. At, it's not that different. Um, there's gluten free pasta you can use. Um, you know, there's gluten free flour if you want to thicken sauces or soups or anything like that. So, gluten free cooking I have found to not be difficult. Um, gluten free baking is an entirely different beast. And I don't eat sugar anyway. Um, so, I haven't really dived into that, into the gluten free baking world. And there are some gluten free blogs. That are dedicated to baking, and they're, you know, it looks like they, you know, are indistinguishable from the, from the regular thing. But yeah, gluten-free baking is a different beast that I haven't really dived into.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of the blogs that really does a great job with baking is called Gluten Free Girl.
3: Oh yeah. Um,
1: and she really has got it dialed in, I think.
3: Yes, and um, gluten-free on a shoestring she's got a, a wonderful blog with with great baking recipes too
2: mm, good. we actually have a number of gluten free bakeries here in portland
3: oh I've heard that hmm
2: yeah you i mean i think I think Portland probably would be kind of a quote unquote easy city to to be able to eat um in restaurants and things like that being gluten free i um a mom of one of my daughter's actually both my daughter's kids um Ha- is she's gluten free, and and I sense that you know, fi- being able to stop and get something to eat while she's out is not as tough as it might be in some other cities.
3: That's awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you know, we have to ask. You live in Iowa. You live in Des Moines. The caucuses <laughs> are right around the corner. So, um, so have you been cooking, <gasps> cooking for any presidential hopefuls, or been on the treadmill next to them? You know, any, any sightings?
3: Oh man, you know what? <laughs> I am like the most unlucky person in celebrity or presidential candidate um, sightings. I, so Sean Johnson, if you know her, the gymnast from the Olympic, from the, oh, right. the, yeah. So she lives like right down the street from me and grew up right down the street from me. And I, I was like the last person in the entire city to see her in person. <laughs> and I finally saw her a couple years ago at Christmas Eve service. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I finally saw her. So, no, I have not seen
2: any. Really? Because, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you re- you read the coverage, you, know, you listen to the political podcast, and it makes it sound like they're just, like, out there all the time, you well, know? they are. Like, and and just they're... in and about, and, you know, you see them at the airport, you see them at the, you know, the diner, whatever it is.
3: Totally. And they were... They were all over the Iowa State Fair this summer, and I went, like, a record number of times and saw no one. Never saw
1: them? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so how, many, how many times this week have you had to answer a phone poll?
3: Oh, man. I don't – I am a weirdo that doesn't pick up the phone if I don't know who's calling.
2: Oh, that's I, not weird. No. Oh, no, that's not weird at
3: all. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because, you know, living in Iowa, you know who's on the other line. You know it's a poll yeah. or a message, so it's like, ugh, No. Yeah.
2: No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh my goodness. So so do you caucus or no?
3: I personally do not know. It just sounds like a. b
2: I'm I love politics. I'm uh do you? have been involved in them, but I mean that sounds like a big drag. I don't want to go yeah. okay, so it's dark, it's super oh. cold, and then going to someone's house and that it could last hours. I right. mean, yeah. you know, back to the whole Amazon Prime and Netflix, there's a lot of stuff to be watched <laughs> at night. <you> know? <laughs> there
3: are so many more. Yes.
2: And, yes. Th- and then to be like, oh, okay, well, we didn't reach consensus. So here, why don't you t- talk nonstop now about your candidate that I totally despise? Like, go on, <laughs> go. G- just right. waste my time. It's okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just going to sit here and glare at you cuz I really want to go
2: home. <laughs> right. So. And all these things you baked, they all have gluten in them. So what's the yeah. point? Right. I can't eat anything here. So. <laughs> right. <I'm> right.
1: Out. <laughs> and I can't even have a glass of wine cuz now I have to go home. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh my goodness. Well, it's been a ton of fun talking with you, Kristen. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank yes, you. thank you so much for having me. Great. Take care. You too.
2: I just love Kristen, that was so much fun to talk with her.
1: I know that was so
2: great. Yeah, and now I want to go to Iowa. I, oh, exactly! Oh, please, of course. You know, she's talking about those trails. I'm like, what? Great, right? tra- yeah. great trails. I need to like take the AMR party on the road to Iowa now. Exactly. You know, and I and I love always. I've said this before. I love adding a new state for where AMR visits. So I don't know, mm-hmm. Adrian. I think I think uh-huh. you head west. I'll head east. Dokey doke. <laughs> Meet in the middle. <laughs> Meet in Des Moines. Um, so and well, let's. Uh, speaking of of going places, let's um head on over
0: to the challenge corner and hear from dimity hi this is dimity in denver with your challenge corner for mid-january i'm going to pull a comment from our stride through the holidays facebook page um, which is now over that challenge is finally over we all made it through the holidays round of applause for that um this is from shelly and she says um, before this page closes i want to post one final fancy pants picture And more importantly say thank you so much to the organizers of this program and so for and for so many empowering participants i actually joined facebook just to do this challenge and you folks did not disappoint i signed up for the train like a mother 13.1 challenge and am, for the first time in my life excited to run i'm happy to have all this virtual support and i am really looking forward to running with many of you in 2016. Run strong, have fun, and stay fancy, all you beautiful bammers. Again, that was from Shelly, who was in our Stride Through the Holidays program. Joined Facebook just for it, which is a huge, (laughs) I don't know if that's a sacrifice or uh, a benefit or what, but um, that's pretty cool. And um, we had a little fancy pants thing going on that page. One mother runner uh, started it. I think her name was Sarah started and posted a picture of kind of some great capris. Slash tights, you know, with a great pattern And all of a sudden the fancy pants trend took off So, anyway, I love that um, the stride was so great for her That she's ready now to take on a half marathon challenge And is excited to run So, glad you're joining us, Shelly And I hope that, uh, I hope that Other people will consider joining us if you haven't already. Head to Train Like a Mother Club to sign up for a 10K half marathon or marathon. Your best training experience yet and your strongest race yet. And uh, registration is going to close on January 24th. So get your little badass booty fancy pants over there. And then our song for this week is a little tribute to... The good, amazing singer David Bowie. And uh, it's not one of his, you know, under-pressure songs or fame, but instead it's dancing in the streets. I saw this music video in a movie theater, uh, gosh, sometime in the 80s. And I just remember thinking, oh, I love these guys. They have so much energy. They don't care what anybody's thinking. And they're just dancing in the streets, kind of like you're running in the streets and doing a little dance along the way. So enjoy. See you next week.
3: Dancing in the street. It's an invitation
0: across the nation. A chance for folks for me. Laughing and singing, i music swinging. Dancing
3: in the street.
2: Well, we have to encourage you to join the brand new Train Like a Mother Club, which Dimity has just been, she just is working so, so hard on that and just enjoying it immensely. Um, That's one of the things I love is um, hearing the joy in Dimity's voice when she talks about the Train Like a Mother Club. And the Train Like a Mother Club, it's home for exercise plans, running training plans, including 10K half marathon and marathon plans, and a 5K plan kicks off next month. All the plans include access to trainlikeamother.club, which is flush with resources, including strength training workouts and recipes, a private Facebook page and Strava Club, and a map of mother runners across the globe, and a seriously stocked swag bag. Ship right to your front door. I'm going to be shipping those a week after next. And you can also add in a commemorative t-shirt and or medal. And the prices of these plans are amazeballs. Let's just say that it is fifty cents a day, which makes the ten K and half marathon plans fifty-two dollars and fifty cents, and the marathon plan just sixty-three dollars. Train like a mother. Club members also get great discounts on some key races around the country, including Flying Pig, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, and Eugene marathons and half marathons. Adrian, you will be at the our AMR table at Pittsburgh. I know you're excited for that. Yep. Yep.
1: Yep. My hometown. Yep.
2: <laughs> so the registration is open through January 24th. So head over to train like a mother dot club. Again, that's train a mother dot C U. So I can't spell club C L U B. So whether you're on a treadmill road, track or trail, many happy miles to you.